Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by personal trainer and SGX coach, Vanessa Campos. Vanessa and I had a great conversation today around self-limiting beliefs and that self-judgment that we put on ourselves that essentially hold us back from accomplishing our goals, both fitness goals and life goals. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find the information in this podcast highly valuable. So let's tune in. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are quite welcome. I am super excited to have you on. And first off, congrats on your podium finish recently. This is so exciting. <laughs> thank you. I'm still flying. <laughs> <laughs> We can get into it because it's a lot of what the conversation is going to go to, but I absolutely love the post you did as far as um, when you were comparing how you looked to the girls on the podium and, and just kind of your mindset around that. And I thought that was really cool. And it's really funny because I look at it as a former runner and wanting to be that thin, skinny person. And now looking at muscular people and like looking at those runners and I'm like, that looks so unhealthy. Oh. <laughs> it's just so funny. I mean, just to touch on it real quick, you know, I grew up a dancer, so my whole perspective on body image and things were very skewed because I wanted to be a ballerina. And I was not blessed with long, lean legs. I had short, muscular legs, and my body's just always been really muscular. So I always had this skewed perspective of what I, what I wanted to look like or should look like or the body that I was supposed to be in. I mean, all those things I put in air quotes are things that people said to me. Um, so, you know, Fast forward 20 plus years since I haven't been dancing anymore and, you know, the shape of my body's changed. My goal has changed, but that body image stuff still is exists and it's still a part of my everyday, even at 42 years old. Um, and even getting on my first podium, like that it really was something that I, I looked at the pictures and just went, wow look at the difference, you know? And I remember having conversations with my friends who are also racers and saying, you know, I will probably never get podium. Look at the girls who get up there. They're 20, 30 pounds, or maybe even 50, 60 pounds lighter than I am. They're like, like four or five inches shorter than I am. No wonder they're so fast. And it just snowballs into this like mentality that I talk about a lot because of body image and self-confidence and self-doubt and stuff are things that are, you know, themes through not only my posts, but kind of my entire life. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, let's kind of, let, um, now that we kind of got there, let's backtrack just a little bit and then we'll kind of fast forward to that again. Sure. Um, as far as your background um, as a dancer and then how that got you into personal training and um, kind of where you're at today with that. Okay. Um, so like I said, I grew up, I was an, kind of an all-around athlete. I mean, I started swimming before I could walk. Um, I did start a dance when I was three years old. Um, I did gymnastics. I did ice skating. I did cheerleading. I tried soccer. I tried softball. I mean, I tried all, everything. The thing that stuck was dance. Um, I actually ended up dancing all the way through graduate school um, with the goal being becoming a professional dancer, performing with companies or getting on Broadway. Uh, ultimately, I did end up with a modern dance company and danced with them for about four years. Um, in the early 2000s. Uh, and so I retired from performing. At, let's see, I'm trying to like go over the dates in my head. It all blends together now. But about two, uh, 2005 or six is when I officially retired from performing. Um, I started personal training 
right around the time I started graduate school, so in about 2000, 2001, um, it just was a career that fit into my schedule. It was a job that fit. I didn't want to be a bartender or cocktail waitress anymore. I was kind of overworking at the Gap. And I had been <laughs> to lifting weights and going to the gym for, at that point, you know, many years. I started lifting weights at about age 15. Um, so it just sort of was a natural progression. Um, with my dance degree, which is a master's in fine arts, I also have studies in anatomy and kinesiology. So that sort of gave me the in to getting my certifications and right walk in the door, get a job as a personal trainer. It was very simple. Um, so I just started that as a job. And then ultimately it developed into my career. When I retired from dance, I just went full swing into personal training and um, started doing that freelance, working in, um, I work in New York City mainly, um, working freelance, working in boutique gyms, private clients, things like that. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. So really it's been now going on 17 years that I've been a personal trainer. Um, and shoot, I love what I do. I mean, this is my home office. I'm my little gym set up here in my house where I train clients in New Jersey. Um, and I also train clients online and I train clients in New York and that's sort of the whole development of that. Um, and then what? How'd I get into, I forgot what was, where I was going. <laughs> I talk and talk and forget where I'm going. Sorry. Um, and then how I got into OCR or? Yeah, let's go there. Okay. So in 2013, I was personal training. I was a mom of two kids already at that point in time. Um, and I was sitting down one day watching TV and I happened to flip through ESPN and a Spartan Race was on TV. And I had never seen it before, but I had heard of it. Um, on Facebook, of course, because people that I had known from my past lives, like high school, college people that were doing these races. And I thought about it and I went, you know, people aren't as athletic as I ever was. So I could probably do that. And I was like, why not? You know, and I saw it, there was like all this mountain climbing and all this hanging stuff and all these like dunk walls and climbing and like heavy lifting. And I was like, that looks so cool, but so scary. I have to do it. So I signed up for a race in 2014 and I got to training. I basically wanted to learn how to do, teach myself how to do pull-ups and really work on my grip strength so that I would go in being at my best. Um, I've always been a perfectionist and I think that comes from my dance background. Just, you know, I would drill ballet moves until I got them clean. And that's sort of how I am with obstacles too, is I practice and practice and practice and practice until I can do them many different ways. Doesn't mean I don't fail obstacles from time to time, but I wanted to go in on my first race feeling really confident that whatever I faced, I'd be able to do it or at least try it. So I just trained for like a solid year. I actually ran, I did like five K's and did a couple of other smaller OCRs like Rugged Maniac and Mutterellas and things like that, just to get my feet wet. And then I jumped into a sprint in 2014 and I was immediately hooked, like hooked. Um, so I did right after my first sprint, um, I went and did my super. And so that was all I did for the first year because I was actually really afraid of the beast. Um, I am not an endurance racer. My endurance is poo poo. <laughs> my breathing is bad. I mean, even when I was a professional dancer, 
when I would be on stage doing a piece, let's say they were usually between 10 and 20 minute long performance or performance pieces, I'd run off stage and breathe into a bag. Like that's how bad my breathing was. Um, and I just never taught myself how to do it properly. So I was so scared that a beast would just kill me um, that I waited until 2015 to do my first full trifecta. Um, and I did it. And um, again, I was in love with the sport. It was just something that brought all of my different athletic histories back together. You know, the running from soccer, the gymnastics, the dance and all this, all of it came together, but also kind of opened me up to being um, part of a community. Um, I was always a quieter person, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> shy, kind of withdrawn, not too many friends. I mean, I was friendly and, you know, had groups of friends and whatever, but I never really connected on a larger scale with a large group of people. And something about Spartan Race just drew me in. Um, and so, you know, from 2014 on, I've been just hooked. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So when we're talking about you getting into OCR, um, talking about body image, all of that sort of thing, all of that fun stuff. Um, we know we fail obstacles, like it's just a part of racing and that sort of thing. How do you handle, especially being a perfectionist? Um, I'm the same way. Like it's taken me a long time to like take missing a lift or missing an obstacle as not failure, but just a miss that we learn from. How did you, or how do you still get past that and like get rid of that judgment and just accept it as growth? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's still hard. Every obstacle that I try and fail or I'll just put it out there. When I did Killington this year, which was my first time at Killington, um, I had avoided it for many years because it scared me. And I finally <laughs> decided this year that I was going to do it. Um, there were times at Killington that I actually just tapped obstacles and went burby because I was afraid of hurting myself. I was afraid of being too fatigued. I was and afraid of just failing it. So rather than failing it, I took the, you know, and went and did my burpees. I took the penalty instead. Um, and I would walk away for a few minutes beating myself up about that, about those choices. Um, and also falling off of obstacles or doing, you know, missing a spear throw or whatever. I still walk away going, ah, oh, how did I do that? Why did I mess that up? But I always take time after a race, whether it's this night after or the next day, I take time to reflect on those moments because part of being a strong racer and taking as much as you can away from it, I'm not even talking about the competitive side because I, I only compete in sprints. I don't compete in supers or beasts. Um, I do those open because I like the aspect of being able to help people and get help and things like that as well. Um, but I always take time to reflect on those uh, failed obstacles, missed obstacles and choices to not do the obstacles um, and just go back to that moment in time and why I made the choices I did or, um, you know, analyze how I made the mistakes I made on that particular obstacle. Um, just a quick example, I fell off of the twister in Asheville. And it was the only obstacle I failed that day. And I went back and I go, God, I made that fatal error, that fatal flaw that I do sometimes. And I don't know why I did it, but I know in the back of my mind, don't skip a rung. 
That's my thing. I can't skip a rung in Twister. If I skip a rung, I fall. I don't know why. But I did it that day and I went, ah, why did I do that? It was so dumb. And I was like beating myself literally for miles after that. And then I went back and I went, you know what? It's okay. Now it's reiterated. <laughs> you know now when you walk up to Twister, don't skip a rung. And I kind of walk, I am a walk up to an obstacle type of person. So when I compete, I tend to be a little slow on the approach, kill the obstacle, and then slow on the leaving of the obstacle. But the reason I slow down when I approach an obstacle is to go through those things in my head. I remind myself of the mistakes I've made in the past, what I know I should and shouldn't do, and then I just make peace with it and say, you know what? If today's a good day, we make it. If today is not a make it day, it doesn't mean it's a bad day. You tried, you have another opportunity next weekend or in two weeks or whenever it happens to be. So I do a lot of self-reflection. Um, and I might beat myself up in the moment at the race, but afterwards I kind of take a step back, breathe and forgive myself um, because no one's perfect. Yes, we run clean races from time to time, which is fantastic. It's such a good feeling. But that's, I think, for those of us who aren't pros, I think it's more often that we do make those mistakes. Um, but that's that metaphor for life thing, right? We can't all have great days. Um, some days are better than others. Some races are better than others. And it's just rolling with the punches, taking that and like, reflecting back on what you did wrong, what you could do better, um, and even watching other people and learning different techniques and things like that also kind of changes your perspective. And that's why I do a lot of open races. Um, even though I could compete, I choose to do more open because I learn a lot more that way and I feel like it adds to my racing being able to watch others. So it's complicated to not beat yourself up. It's really hard to, to not do that because we are so tough on ourselves. Um, but we have to remember that it's what's going to push us forward. You know, um, if we can get up from those, I hate calling them failures, but get up from those not so great moments, dust ourselves off and just go, you know what, I have another opportunity. Or you know what, I'm going to give myself another opportunity to make it better next time. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Self-reflection is huge. And like you said, metaphor for life, whether it's OCR or whether it's business, home life, you know, Absolutely. whatever, like reflecting mm -hmm. on situations is so key into just that growth and learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's how we, how we move forward in life. You know, we've got to take the things from our past and make them better for the future. And that's, you know, whether it's monkey bars or it's something else <laughs> financial, you know, like they can be synonymous. They don't have to be, you know, all just one thing. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so kind of speaking of that, using the, from the past to the future, when talking body image, since we know everyone deals with it, male, female, young, old, like we all deal with it and we all have like, we all go back and forth from day to day. One day you feel great about how you look. The next day it's like, why do I look like this? Right. So um, how did what you dealt with as a dancer, how does that impact you today? And then how does that impact you when you're coaching your clients as well? Okay. Uh, how does it impact me today? Well, I mean, I have still deal with what's called body dysmorphic disorder. So it's an actual anxiety disorder diagnosed. Um, and it's 
And you know, it's everybody has body image issues. We all wake up some days and we feel fat and we're not fat, but we feel fat. Or, you know, we have things where we're like, oh, we put on these pants and they feel horrible and I look horrible. But for me, it's that I, I now less, less frequently, but I do occasionally look in a mirror and the reflection isn't me. The reflection is a distorted version of what I look like. Um, and it can be very disturbing. It can cause me severe anxiety, um, severe social anxiety, um, to the point where I don't leave my house. Um, I crawl into my bed and cover myself up to my eyeballs. I cry for like, sometimes I literally put everything on in my closet until I can, and I never find anything that I can wear because it's causing me such anxiety. Um, so part of that, although it's psychological, part of that I do attribute to my dance career um, and growing up being a dancer because I was told, you know, things that some of the teachers said, you're in the wrong body, you're not tall enough, you're not skinny enough, you're too thick, you're too fat, you're too muscular. All of those things telling me that I was never enough um, sort of permeated my entire existence from a really young age. I mean, some of those things I recall from like age eight and going on. So it sort of sunk into my viscera and is now part of who I am. And although now I'm much more content with who I am most of the time, like I said about the pictures of me on the podium, I did have that moment where I looked at myself and went, oh my God, I'm like a giant next to those girls. How, how, that's, and then I knocked myself down. I said, oh, well you ended in fifth and the two girls ahead of you made mistakes. So you didn't legitimately get third place. You got third because two other people failed. So you got, you know, by default. And I started like knocking my accomplishment down because of how I saw myself. And so I, again, I write a lot and my posts, people are like, your posts are too long. You write too much. My posts are my journal. My posts are my reflection. My posts are the things that I'm thinking and feeling and I have to do them. Um, if not just for myself, but also to, to reach the masses, because I know a lot of people, men and women go through all of these hills and valleys of emotions and feelings about their bodies and, and stuff in life. Um, so I had to do that written reflection. And when I did, I sat back and I looked at it and I read it before I posted it. And I said, huh, I can't believe that I felt that way because I look really strong. And I had a clean, clean race. And it's like, I have to do those reflective times because otherwise I will just continue to knock myself down. And how that affects me race-wise is I panic at the start line. I will go into a severe panic attack and freak out, get into my head, and then it messes my whole race up. So I have to do a lot of like <laughs> psychological, like calming down. I have to feel really good about myself on race day like the perfect race outfit. I have to have my hair done well. I always wear glitter because it makes me happy. And full makeup. I know a lot of people are like, why do you wear makeup? I need to. It's my war paint. It makes me feel strong. It makes me feel secure, right? So I use a lot of the past pains to strengthen me and fuel me now so that I don't have that panic. Um, and now more than ever, I race much more calmly especially in the competitive heats. I used to do so badly <laughs> in age group, like almost last because I would self-defeat and then I'd miss obstacles and I would be slow and I couldn't breathe um, because I was panicking about 
my own body and my abilities where now I'm like, you know what? I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. I have to work with my strengths to combat my weaknesses. And so when I start thinking more about how my body functions and its abilities, I focus less on how it looks. And that helps me to succeed so much more than when I'm like, oh my God, I have a bulge or whatever it happens to be. You know, oh, my skin is hanging over my shorts or look at my cellulite or whatever it happens to be. I think more of like, okay, I know I can knock out those burpees like crazy. I'm going to be faster than her on those. And I can make up for the, the fact that I'm not a good runner on monkey bars and rings. And I think about my abilities and what my body can do much more than what it looks like when I'm raising. So. I think that's huge. And I, I, I'd have to say I'm the same way. I, um, several years ago, I unintentionally got to this point, but I was 9% body fat. Like, but I loved how I looked like I was very ripped and I absolutely loved that. And part of me wants to go back to that. But then the other part of me is like, how much stronger am I now? And how many are, am I performing in both CrossFit and OCR? And, exactly. and like, I just have her focus on that performance side of things rather than that image side of things. Yeah, no, and I've had that moment too. I mean, I used to do figure competitions um, back right around the beginning of my my OCR career or career, whatever. Sounds <laughs> 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 good. It's not really a career, but anyway. Um, so in 2015 and 2016, I was doing figure competitions, so I was getting you know eating and dieting down to get lean and cut to go on stage and do bodybuilding shows. Um, so I had to find that like mindset of you're not going to have that teeny tiny ripped body and be able to do OCR for me. Some people can and awesome for them. I couldn't, I didn't have any energy. My strength dwindled down to nothing when I was like nine, 10% body fat. Um, now I'm sitting at probably like 24% body fat, about 150 something pounds at five foot five. I am so content with that. If I, I mean, yes, I'm like, oh, I could lose 10 pounds and still be, look as strong as I do, but I don't obsess over it. I don't worry about my body fat percentage because I'm healthy. I eat healthy. Um, I know I need to maintain a certain amount of fat on my body for not only for racing, but also for my health. Um, because in 2016, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Um, and if I don't maintain that and I get too lean, too skinny, I could end up back in the hospital again. So I have a lot of reasons why function is so much more important for me than appearance. So that helps with the mentality. Yeah. Awesome. I'm curious just because I know it can play into body image some and also performance wise as well. What, how often do you take scheduled rest days and what do rest days look like for you? Um, so my weeks are really strange. I actually don't really have a schedule. Um, I, because I run my own business and I'm a mom, um, my schedule is like all over the place. I mean, I maintain like a plan. I still have a paper planner and it's like, it looks <laughs> pretty. I write it in pencil and there's erase marks everywhere. So, um, you know, my workout training schedule has to work around my clients and my kids. So I generally train about three to four times a week at most for myself. So that means I get about two, 
to three to sometimes four rest days. Um, <laughs> and I do this because those rest days are literally days that I have like eight clients that I'm seeing. So I'm on my feet moving weights around. So I'm not really resting. Um, but the days that I do decide not to train at all, I go, no, <laughs> you will not go to the gym today. Um, I get in here and I lay on the mat and I put on some music and I stretch and foam roll and do trigger point stuff and lots and lots of like dancer stretchy, like, you know, jazzercise type of stretchy things because it feels good on my body. Um, I have had a lifetime of injuries, so I have to constantly work flexibility, mobility um, to maintain myself. I mean, I'm 42, not getting any younger. Um, things get tighter, they get stiffer, and you know, I have slip, you know, uh, herniated discs in my back, I have sciatica, plus my autoimmune disease, so I have all these joint issues. Um, so when I'm resting, I'm trying to maintain as much, you know, keeping my knees mobile so they don't get stiff and moving my arms around and stuff. So when I actually rest, it's that. Or I try to take one lazy day a week, like one where I do not move. I'm like a potato on my bed or on the sofa. And I do that without shame. <laughs> where I will binge watch TV, and, but I will drink a ton of water and I'll eat healthy because I have to. Um, but I do try to get one lazy day a week because I can go crazy thinking of things that I need to do. And that builds as anxiety and then stress and then it gets to chronic uh, inflammation and chronic fatigue and chronic pain in my body. So I have to like take a day where I don't do anything. But those other rest days are walking, moving things around the house, cleaning, a regular mom life. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. I'm gonna say that's pretty impressive that you can take an entire lazy day because it is literally, well, I shouldn't say impossible, it's hard, but please. to literally just like sit and not do anything all day seems impossible to me. <laughs> it's, it's difficult. Trust me. I mean, I have, my boys are eight and, tw uh, sorry, nine and almost 12. So they're pretty self-sufficient. They don't need much from me. They go to their dad if they need stuff on those days. But generally speaking, I'm like, just stay out of mommy's room. Let mommy have space. I will come and make you food. And then I will go back to my space. It's like my home, my like cave, I'm like do not enter mommy's cave. And they, they're pretty good about it now. And they understand that I need that rest time. Um, but yeah, it's some days it's like, oh my gosh, why are you in here again? <laughs> you know, but then it's also, I don't lay still. I do end up like stretching and like doing, you know, I end up with my tens unit on or whatever. Um, but I, but it's more for my mind. It's like a mental health day. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I'm curious, and you can say as much or a little about it as you want, but with your autoimmune disease, I know a lot of people deal with a lot of issues and whether they use it as an excuse on why they can't do something or, you know, just different things that happen. How does that, how does dealing with that impact training, racing, you know, your mindset there? Okay. So I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2016. That is an inflammatory um, bowel disease. So that basically means I get ulcers in my colon, which can cause chronic pain, um, 
chronic fatigue, joint inflammation, skin inflammation, eye inflammation, gut inflammation, which leads to gross things like diarrhea and fun <laughs> stuff like that. So I talk about it a lot in my posts. Actually, people are like, oh my God, stop talking about poop. But I can't, I can't help it because it's part of who I am and it's part of my story. Um, so I was, 2016 was an interesting year for me because I actually had planned on racing elite that year. And, um, and so I did one elite race, which was uh, New Jersey Beast that year. And that race was so killer. It was like a surprise at 17 miles in the mountains. And guess what? It's like 30 degrees outside. It was a crazy course. It was freezing. But I ran elite and I came in like top 50%, 5-0, not 15, 5-0%, which was good. But I was like, okay. Then I went and I competed in two bodybuilding shows. So I was like sub 10% body fat, about 130 something pounds. Um, and a couple of months after that, I was like hit like by a truck. Basically I couldn't get up. I was in bed for a week. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I couldn't sit up. I couldn't lay down. I couldn't move. Everything hurt in my body. Um, and I was having just persistent diarrhea. Sorry. Um, and one day I, my husband was like, um, your lips are blue. We're going to the hospital. So he took me to the hospital. They checked me in immediately and I was diagnosed pretty much immediately with colitis. Um, and it causes pain that I can't even describe. It's like you're getting stabbed in the belly. Um, and the biggest triggers for me, some are dietary. So I really monitor my diet um, to avoid triggers that can cause inflammation, cause that pain. But it's also brought on by stress. So not just like, life stress, but physical stress as well. So I have to be really cautious about how intensely I train. I have to be cautious about the stress level in my life. I have to be cautious about my diet and making sure I drink enough water. I stay hydrated. Um, and when I do intense races like Killington, the Killington Beast, I have to be very aware of things like my nutrition, my hydration, my fatigue level, um, because I can end up causing a flare-up that can send me to the hospital. Um, I don't use my illness as an excuse to not train and to not race, obviously. Um, I actually use it as fuel because I don't want anybody to tell me that I can't do these things. Um, and I'm going to continue to show people that you can. Um, I have gone into races in flare-up where the days leading up to a race, I am sick as a dog migraine headaches, my eyes are swollen, my joints hurt, I haven't slept or I've slept, I can't stop sleeping, um, and the beautiful diarrhea. So I have gone into races with that, and they have not been my best races, but I start them and I finish them. No matter what happens, this is what I tell people that I train and clients that I take out on the course. I say, you start and you finish. Whatever happens in the middle is yours. So when I go into a race and I've been in a flare or I'm sick, I just have to start and I got to finish. And whatever happens in the middle there, I'm going to walk away with pride because I've started and I finished. Um, whether it's, you know, pain, diarrhea, illness, uh, fatigue, whatever it is, I have to just take it one step at a time and continue to move forward. Um, and that's a good, again, metaphor for my illness, but also for these races. Um, as far as like training my clients uh, and, and relating to them on this level, I think 
for me, I think a lot of people who don't know me personally that might see me only on social media and stuff, see me as this sort of like superhuman person. Um, but when I tell people about this, this illness in particular, it makes me more human. I mean, you know, I poop too. <laughs> it's like, you know, so it, it humanizes me in a sense and it makes me more relatable. So my clients don't think that I'm just this like, you know, hardcore trainer coming at you. It's I'm human and I'm teaching you lessons that are not only applicable on the race course or in the gym, but lessons for life as well. Um, cause I always tell people fitness isn't just about the body. It's about the mind and the soul as well. And if you don't take all of those things into account, you're not going to be fully successful in your goal. Um, so I try to incorporate that mind, body, soul aspect into all of my training, whether it's my, just my training clients or my OCR clients as well. Awesome. Thank you for sharing all that. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Awesome. Well, to kind of start, just kind of start closing it out a little bit. Um, anything just for tips, word of advice, anything like that for those people who just constantly deal with the self-judgment, um, self-limiting beliefs, that sort of thing to kind of not get them over to the other side, but just kind of give them some ideas to think about or consider to get them past their beliefs. I mean, your only limit is you. You know, your limit is what you say you can't do. If you can remove can't from your vocabulary, it's going to open a whole new world for you. Once I stopped saying I can't, I was able to do things that I never thought I could. Um, so you have to believe in yourself. I mean, I make a point of always telling people who question their ability because of their size or because of their age or because of their fitness level. Um, I always say there's no requirement. There's no definition or box that a Spartan or an OCR racer fits into. We're all different. We're all ages, sizes, shapes, even fitness levels. Um, it's within you. That champion, that, that finisher, that Spartan with, is inside of you. You just need to dig deep and find it to bring it out. Um, and the only way to do that is to believe in yourself, to take on those challenges and realize that sometimes you might not succeed at that challenge the first time you try it. But if you can step away from it and learn from it, you will succeed eventually. It's just stopping the limitation that you put on yourself. Um, and if you've got people around you who aren't supportive, you need other people around you. You need to find a community of people like this group, like other people who do these crazy things that will kick you in the butt and say, you can do it. Don't be silly or try again. Let's go sign up for another one. Um, it's really about the support system as well. You have to believe in yourself, but you need people around you who also believe in you to keep moving you forward. Love it. Love it. If someone wants to follow you, just reach out to you with questions, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Facebook. My personal page is uh, Campos, C-A-M-P-O-S-B-L-C, or my name, Vanessa Campos. Um, Instagram at Vanessa C-N Fitness, Charlie Nancy Fitness. Um, or you can go to my website, which is vcnfitness.com, and then you can get everything there. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you, Vanessa, so much for your time. It was great talking with you. Oh, you too. Thank you so much.
And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance, where you can both join your OCR tribe, as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer, a more resilient racer, and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional. <laughs>